our cocoa coffee and carols we are going to be getting started in just a couple minutes so if you want to grab your cocoa your orange juice your coffee and start heading over to your seats that would be great give you a couple more minutes thank you Good morning, everyone. Once again, welcome to Church in the Valley Alhambra and our Cocoa Coffee and Carols. You can finish up getting your cocoa or your coffee and head on over to the seats. We are going to be getting started with our first carol, O Come All Ye Faithful. Jesus. 
Welcome, everybody. Hey, we're glad you're here with us this morning, uh, the Sunday before Christmas. And if you are coming in and you haven't seen already, there are some things to uh, munch on back there and some drinks, hot and cold, whatever your preference is. Uh, feel free to grab those as I'm speaking if you didn't get any yet. Um, we're glad you're here with us this morning. And uh, my name is Jeremy, and as uh, was said before, and I help lead the First Impressions team here at Church in the Valley. And uh, there are a couple of things I want to let you guys know about in terms of just some things going on this morning, some things coming up in the uh, coming weeks, as well as, uh, not to be last but least, but we're going to have a fun child baby, de baby dedication here again this morning, so it's going to be fun. Um, if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, over here to my left, by the drinks, there's a guest resource table, and there's some fun stuff there for you. Uh, one thing on there is some books, and it's called The Case for Christmas. And those are free, and we would love for you guys to be able to take one of those for yourself. If you want to take an extra for a family member or a friend, um, and we'd love for you to be able to read that. We think that would be really helpful. Um, also, when you came in this morning, you should have received a program. And inside that program, there's uh, a listening guide as well as um, stuff for you to look at this morning. Um, if you want to take notes on, there's also a connection card in there. And if you wouldn't mind filling that out at some point this morning and just letting us know, you know how you heard about Church in the Valley, and if you're a member, a regular tender, or out-of-town guest, just marking that. That would be really helpful for us. And you can drop that in the various buckets you see sitting on the walls here uh, this morning after service. Also, if you're uh, wanting to give in person this morning, you can also drop that in one of those buckets or the offering bucket over there on the guest resource table. Uh, you can also give online as well if you're wanting to do that. Um, wanted to let you guys know, too, that we, on top of just our normal giving, which we have a very generous, amazing uh, group of people here at church that just give regularly uh, all the time throughout the year. But on top of that, this time of year, we like to try to have um, give above and beyond that with our annual Christmas offering. And so this year, uh, one of the things we're wanting to do is to be able to uh, kind of back some different uh, ministries and people that are doing stuff uh, both locally and internationally. And so we set a goal for our church this year of doing $20,000. Um, and at this point, we've received 4177 So we're moving our way towards that, that goal. And you can give both, again, in person here or online if you like to give to that and just designate that you're wanting to give to the Christmas offering. And as you can see um, on, uh, our, on our website or if you look on our Instagram stuff, it kind of lists some of the various ministries and uh, people we're wanting to give to. We're, we're looking to give about 50% to different uh, missionaries and ministries internationally, and then about 50% to uh, local uh, 
uh, ministries as well of all different kinds. And so um, if you want to find out some more about that, feel free to look on our website and you can find out that as well. And then one of the things we're wanting to do as well, our sister church, Church in the Valley and Ontario Ranch, which is what we were planted out of this church years ago, uh, they have a great opportunity now to lease a building, which means uh, they don't have to uh, do all the, the setup and tear down every week. They'll be able to just come into a building. But in order to get to that spot, there's a lot of renovation that needs to happen and some construction inside of this building that they're using. And so what we want to do as a church just to bless them is anything that comes into the Christmas offering, you know, our church is really a good place financially that we're going to try to match that to give to uh, Church in the Valley, Ontario Ranch, to be able to help with some of the, the renovation on their building. So if we get 20000 for all of our international local ministries, Church in the Valley, Valley is going to match that and give to them as well. So they'll have, you know, that and beyond to be able to renovate that. And trust me, that will just, um, that will do some significant damage, but they're going to need even more than that to do all the renovations. So we're going to, we're going to try to do as much as we can to help them on that. Um, and it, all the gifts for both the Christmas offering and that, we're going to be collecting through January 31st. So if you're not ready yet to do that and you want some more time to think about how much you like to give or, or when and how, um, you have till the end of January to do that, just so you know. And then next week, uh, we will not be having service on the 26th. Uh, you guys can have time just to be, if you're out of town or if you're with family, extra time to be able to be with them. Um, so you know, that'll be off. But then we'll resume our weekly service on the 2nd of January. And so we'll see you guys then. Um, so at this time, if you are a family that is dedicating uh, one of your children this morning, if you guys want to come on up, and, uh, and we'll be able to, to do that. So if you're, if you're new with our church, again, one of the things that we like to do with um, new children, and some of these children are very new children, um, is uh, we, we like to have times where our parents get to really um, kind of make a public announcement if they wish that they want to really raise their kids in a way that's really um, in line with scripture and they're, they're teaching their kids to really know and walk with Jesus and that they're not only acknowledging that before you guys, but they're also acknowledging they're going to need your help in that. And so this is a great time to be able to do that. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, walk down here. And if you guys just want to introduce yourselves and your kids, that would be great. Hi, my name is Josh Hickernell. This is my wife, Sarah, and our son, Caleb. Hi, I'm Tyler Beebe, my wife Michelle, and our two younger sons, Maverick Jude Beebe and Ray Micah Beebe. Hi, I'm David, this is my wife Christine, and our daughter Leah. And I'm Enoch, and this is my wife Bethany. This is Faith, and this is Jesse over here. And, and Leah barely made the cut. Um, she was born just a few days ago, so, um, but she's going to be up here anyway, so this is fun. Well, you know, one of the things that we see in Scripture is that, you know, Joseph and Mary, which, you know, they're pretty prominent this time of year, uh, being the parents of Jesus, uh, they really set an example for us in really presenting Jesus um, to the Lord. And it says in Luke 2, 22-23, it says, When the time of their purification, when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him, speaking of Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Now, there's a bunch of other passages that, as you guys know, because, you know, some of you are seasoned veterans already with several kids, um, that speak to uh, principles and ideas about raising your children. And so a couple of those, just as a way of reminder for you guys and for the, for the church here, 
One of them is in Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the way, when you lie down, and when you get up. And really, that's a great passage just saying, you know, whether it's morning, evening, you know, busy season, slow season, we want really the scriptures to really be just very present and permeating the decisions we make, how we treat one another, and, and really kind of saturating all that we do. And that that is just a t- topic of conversation constantly in the way that we're thinking about things with our children because it, it needs to be more than just a Sunday thing. As you guys know, it needs to be a real thing throughout the week. Um, and then Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then on into verse 4, it gives a specific commandment you know, to fathers. Uh, it says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Now, I think it says that because we have a tendency to exasperate our children. Um, and it says, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And, you know, there, that is uh, a great combination of getting to coach and getting to instruct our children to really help them, you know, blossom to be the men and women that God has really called them to be. And, and ultimately, what, what we're saying with our baby dedication and child dedication here is that we're realizing these, these kids are ultimately a stewardship. They're not really ours, although they, uh, they took a lot of work on our end, mostly the moms. Um, but... Uh, but really, they're gods. And so what we're, what we're acknowledging this morning and the commitment that you guys are going to be making right now is really that, that our children really do belong to God and that you are committed to really raising them as best you can with God's help to, to really know and to walk with Jesus. And so, um, so if you guys want to repeat after me and then where you can insert your child's name, go ahead and, and do that here. Uh, but it says, I recognize that my child belongs to God. And the Lord has first claim on their life. The Lord has first claim on their life. And so I dedicate, and you say your child's name, to the Lord. I dedicate Jesse to the Lord. And I commit myself to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I commit myself to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And for this, I ask the power of God. And for this, I ask the power of God. And so... Let me pray for us, guys. And this is something that, as the reason they're doing this again before all of us, is they're realizing that this is something that while they are the, uh, the point people in this endeavor, this is not to be a solo effort. <laughs> they're going to really need not only the example, uh, but really the help of all of us and the prayers of all of us to really be helping them do this in the years to come. So let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for each one of these children. Um, thank you for... Um, all the work that they're going to be and all the joy that they're going to be. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis was really right when he said that children are not just a distraction from the greater work. They really are the greater work. And uh, we are very thankful for these kids. Um, thank you, God. Even when they make lots of noise, it is better than the alternative of no noise at all. And um, God, I really am grateful for each one of these kids. And I really do pray for rest and for energy each one of these parents, and really um, just uh, your grace and perspective to help them to see opportunities to instruct, opportunities to model, opportunities to really love their kids well and help them to come to know you 
and that they would be more and more amazed and uh, fascinated with you as a result of watching their parents' lives and the way they treat one another and the way they treat their kids. And so we pray for just help as a community to be able to help them do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. You're welcome to sit back down. So once again, uh, we're, we're glad you're here with us this morning at Church in the Valley. Feel free, uh, if you want refills on any of your drinks at any point, feel free to get up and grab that. And uh, we're going to continue with our worship, and then John Taylor is going to come up after that. All right. Well, we're going to continue singing, and if you listen carefully to the order of our songs this morning, we're walking you through the Christmas story, and then John is going to be sharing a message on the different parts of the Christmas story as well. But in this first song, we're going to hear about Gabriel and Mary, and so we have the announcement of the good news and Gabriel's promise to Mary, and then Mary responds later and says, my soul magnifies the Lord. So we're going to sing together and sing, my soul magnifies the Lord. Would you guys stand with us, please?
So the next part of the story, after Gabriel comes, and after Mary finds out she's pregnant, and after she sings this song of praise to God, we have the birth of Jesus Christ. And we know that Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, they have the baby. And we know that there was a great star that came over and shone down onto the baby. And so we're going to sing Away in a Manger and remember that special moment. This is like a lullaby that we're singing back to Christ. And Eileen's going to sing it for us. Let me see if we're ready. We're almost there. Hold on, we're doing a quick instrument switch here. Stay by my cradle. 
everybody. Thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here today. Um, Christine Carrolls, and just remember the birth of your son and um, just have this time to celebrate and praise you. Um, for Dr. Zell Taylor and for the work she's had to speak to us, um, just pray that we would really take it in and spend this season just remembering what a gift it is that Jesus has come into the world. Um, in your name I pray, amen. Lovely. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. And even though it's a few days away, happy Christmas to you all. And uh, we're so privileged to be able to gather in his name. And we think of what Jesus went through, even as an infant, having to uh, literally flee for his life to another country. Uh, to, uh, and, uh, and yet here we are gathering, so thank the Lord for that. Let's, we're going to talk today about Joseph's Christmas. Two weeks ago, we looked at Mary's Christmas, which we're really looking at the Christmas passages from Luke's Gospel. Today, we're going to be looking at the Christmas passages from Matthew's Gospel. And that's one of the big differences between those two stories about the birth of Christ is that Luke really tells the story largely from Mary's perspective and Matthew tells the story from Joseph's perspective and uh, perhaps that just goes back to who was telling the stories that Matthew and Luke uh, you know wrote down and, and so but that's what it happens and in fact this whole passage in the Gospel of Matthew is structured and I want you to take, pay attention as we read it, uh, but the whole passage is, is structured around uh, a series of dreams uh, that mainly Joseph has, and that kind of provides the continuity and the flow of the story. So we're going to start uh, with Matthew 1.18. Eventually, we're going to get all the way through chapter 2, which is 2.23, but for the beginning, we'll just read Matthew 1.18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. That's the first part of our passage for today. And we already see uh, our first of our Christmas dreams that Joseph has, that he has an angel of the Lord appeared to him in this dream. You know, we've got songs about Christmas dreams. You might have been dreaming of a white Christmas some point or singing that song. Uh, you know, uh, Southern California, the, the, there is a white Christmas as long as you go up the mountain. 
Uh, I'm from Australia where we just literally dreamed of white Christmas. It's still on the Christmas cards, but uh, the Christmas day is likely to be close to 100 degrees where I grew up. Uh, and so it's one of those things, but uh, uh, where somehow the kind of northern, northern European Christmas has kind of given us our Christmas culture of trees and snow and, and things like that. But, you know, we just enjoy it, right? We just enjoy it. And, uh, and, but remember that there's a whole lot more to this story than all of that. So in our context of our passage, we've just had the genealogy of Jesus. And which talked about uh, from the first 18 verses or first 17 verses of Matthew gives Jesus family line all the way back to Abraham and emphasizes Jesus being the son of David, being descended from David, who was the king. And, and so, and then Jesus is called in verse 17, the Christ or Messiah, the anointed one. And that has a whole lot of meaning for uh, the, the Jewish believers who are gonna be reading Matthew's gospel, uh, because of course, uh, Jews, many Jews in first century are looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, the, the king in the line of David, who's going to restore the nation, establish the kingdom of God, cleanse the nation and reign over the world. And, and so, and of course he comes, but that's Jesus. Each section in the passages we're going to look today looks back to the Old Testament as well and shows that these events that are happening are the fulfillment of prophecy. And in each section we're going to look at today, uh, various titles or roles are attributed to Jesus, and in this one we've just read, he's called Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's that anointed king who's gonna come, we've just mentioned. And he also says that he will save their people, his people from their sins. So that's why we call this part of this message, Jesus Christ, Savior. In each section of this passage we're looking at today, dreams are used to guide and direct, and especially to protect, as God acts to protect his infant son, and in some ways, each section also looks forward to other events in the life of Jesus, whether his cross, his resurrection, or his second coming. The other thing that happens is that every, in these passages we're looking at today, every time the Lord speaks through an angel or in a dream or through a star or whatever, uh, what, what, the, what Joseph does and what others do is they just go ahead and obey. They just obey. We'll come back to that idea in a minute. So Jesus Christ was conceived of the Holy Spirit and before Mary was ever married. Now they were, engaged, they were engaged or betrothed. That was a pretty serious commitment. First century uh, Israel, uh, when you were in, in, betrothed to someone, although you had not yet officially got married, you, hadn't, you weren't living together, you weren't, uh, there was no sexual relations. Nevertheless, uh, it was a major thing and uh, you had to had to have a divorce to, to break up a betrothal in those days. And so when she was found to be pregnant, uh, then of course, this is a major problem. And Joseph is, is, a, uh, is a man who's, uh, who's, who has to act, right? He's gonna have to act. And what is he gonna do about all this? Because uh, it's, He's a just man, he's a righteous man. Well, he doesn't want to marry an, an adulteress, uh, but he doesn't want to shame Mary. And so he decides he's got two, you know, he's got basically two choices. He can either 
you know, accuse her of adultery, and then she might be punished, possibly including stoning. Uh, he could uh, he he could just go ahead and marry her, but he's, then he's had a problem with what's you know who am I marrying here? She's a pregnant lady. What's what's going on? So those are two choices. But he comes up. He has a third choice, which is he's just going to divorce her, but quietly, not so as not to shame her. And uh, at that point, he has a dream. And you know, I, I don't know about your dreams, but my dreams typically don't make a whole lot of sense. You know, they're just kind of bits and flash, bits and pieces of your life and things you've read or, or seen, and they just kind of all coalesce in some imaginary way. But this was really the angel of the Lord speaking to him. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph goes ahead and he obeyed. It says in verse 24, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not. He didn't have sexual relations. He got married. They didn't have sexual relations until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus, just as uh, the angel had said. Joseph rescues the infant Jesus so Jesus can rescue the world, right? And Jesus is the one who's going to save his people from their sins. This is Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Rescuer. The word Savior, or the idea of saving, very popular in first century Eastern Mediterranean. Lots of people were called saviors. If you were a general and you defended your city from an invading army, they would acclaim you Savior. Uh, if you were, you know, all sorts of people could be called a Savior. And uh, a lot of the, uh, the, the Greek gods and the Roman gods were called saviors. In fact, the most popular person to be called, or popular thing to be called savior in the first century world was uh, Zeus, the god Zeus. Uh, so it's one of those words which was just used a lot uh, for someone who acted to rescue someone else. But this is Jesus, not saving a city from an army, but saving us from the worst enemy that there is, which is ourselves, our own sin. You see, and he saves it from our sin, meaning saving us from two things. Number one, from the guilt of our sin, which, which comes between us and eternity, comes between us and God. And number two, saves us from the power of sin, from its ruling function in our lives. And so even here, Matthew's starting to look forward to the cross and what's going to happen because Jesus says about himself in, in Matthew 20, verse 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so that's the saving acts of Jesus Christ. And, and it, we see in this passage that Jesus is born of a virgin. Uh, of course, that's an impossibility. It doesn't happen. But it, it, with God, it's possible. And this, of course, shows God really acting. And, and this, the, the, the passage which Matthew quotes here, what was spoken by the prophet, comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and, you know, which says basically what we read here, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew explains that, that means God with us. In, in Isaiah 7, the birth of, a, of this son is a sign to Israel that God's going to have mercy on them, or in fact, to the nation of Judah, that God's going to have mercy on them, despite 
and at the same time he's going to judge their enemies. And so the birth of a son is a sign of hope of God's mercy. Uh, and that's what's going on here. But beyond that, because it's a virgin birth, that tells you that this is really from the Lord and that Jesus is not only a human, a man, but he's more than that. It's got to do with his divine nature. And so Joseph goes ahead and he obeys. He obeys exactly everything that the Lord said to him. So the next part of our passage is from chapter 2, verses 2 to 12, and we'll read uh, from 1 to 12, we'll read this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them whether Christ was to be born, and they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Israel, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring him to me, uh, that I too may... Bring word to me that I, I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they'd seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they depart to their own country by another way. So this is where, in this part of our passage, this is where Jesus is called King of the Jews. And you'll notice, by contrast, Herod is called Herod the King, uh, is called that in verse 1, and uh, then again in verse 3, Herod the King. And, and so again in verse 9, after listening to the King, right? Three times we're told that Herod's the King. And yet here's these wise men from the east, uh, uh, from possibly from Arabia, you know, coming to, or maybe from uh, uh, what is now Iran, but coming to worship the king of the Jews, and it's not Herod. Uh, and, uh, and so even though he's the king at this point under the Roman Empire, kind of client king. And so it's, and by, it's not Caesar, of course, who is uh, the king of all the Roman Empire, and yet it's a king to worship. And the sign is a sign of a star. It's interesting, back in Numbers 24, 17, uh, Balaam the prophet prophesies over Israel, and he says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. Talking about someone who's coming, but he's not there yet. He says, a star shall come forth from Jacob, and a scepter which is a sign of royal authority, shall rise from Israel. He's predicting the Messiah here, and the, but he's, he's seeing it as a kind of star uh, coming. And that's interesting that we have this star as a sign of the coming of Jesus. And so Herod gathers the chief priest and the scribes and says, where's the Messiah going to be born? And it turns out that the prophet Micah had told everybody that this was going to happen uh, in Bethlehem, which of course we know is the city of David. 
And that's where, of course, because the Messiah is going to be in the line of David. Uh, and, uh, and so just like David was a shepherd and shepherded sheep and then shepherded Israel as the king, this, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to shepherd my people Israel. Now, Micah prophesied this a long time after David, centuries after David. He's going to say the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. That's exactly what happened. Matthew later on has, keeps going. This shepherd motif in chapter 9, Jesus comes ashore and sees thousands of people waiting for him. And he says they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he, he shepherds them. He teaches them. He feeds them. He heals them. And several other places in Matthew, Jesus is talked about as the shepherd. So, but he's the shepherd king. Now, Herod plots to destroy this baby. He wants to, he says, I want to come and worship him, but we're not, it doesn't seem like that's really what, what he wants to do. Quite the opposite. And it's the, it's the wise men in this story who are given a dream not to return to Herod. Uh, but, and so they, again, obey the dream that the Lord has given them, and they go back to their own country by another way. But what before they go, they've given some gifts to Jesus, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, lots of people have tried to read lots of symbolism into those gifts, right? And it's a kind of, I'm not going to go there. Uh, they're expensive uh, gifts worthy of a king. That's what they are. Uh, but we do have references to the gifts of gold and, and frankincense uh, in Isaiah 60, where it talks about Gentiles coming on camels to present gifts to God of gold and frankincense. So that's just an interesting thing. That was a prophesied back in Isaiah 50, 60. And then similar things mentioned in Psalm 72 as well. So once again, there's a dream. And once again, they, the dream is to protect the infant Jesus. That's the, the, all these dreams are really aimed at protecting Jesus. Even Joseph's dream, the first dream he had, you know, take, take Mary as your wife. That's a protection for Mary and for the baby in her womb. The second dream, uh, the dream of the wise men. And it's interesting, they had three of them, they all had the dream. But it was to protect Jesus ultimately. And, uh, and so that's what, what goes on here. Let's move now uh, to our next passage. Verses 13 to 18. When they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there till I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill, fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years older under according to the time that he had ascertained by the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, for she refused to be comforted because they are no more. 
This is about Jesus, the Son of God. It's about Jesus again, protected, another dream. This time is get up and go, flee uh, to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. Uh, God is protecting his, his infant son through a dream. And again, it's through the angel of the Lord in a dream. It's like a double-barreled guidance, right? Not only an angel, not only a dream, but yet the two of them together. That's, that's really quite something. And Joseph, his role in this story is simply to what? Listen and obey. That's what he does. Joseph's role is to listen and obey and protect Jesus and his mother, Mary. Now, Jesus, of course, is in, in, this, in, our, in Matthew and in the other Gospels, is the son of David. He's descended from David. But exactly how is he descended from David? If you went to the genealogy in Matthew or in Luke, you discover that both of those genealogies trace the genealogy of Joseph, who is not the natural father of Jesus. Because Jerry, Mary is his natural mother, but what, you know, his conception is of the Holy Spirit. And so it's interesting that Jesus is not necessarily naturally, genetically descended from David at all. Rather, because Joseph becomes his true father by, effectively by adoption, then that's how Jesus is descended from David, is adopted into that family of David through Joseph. Now, in this passage, Jesus is called God's son, but it's the fulfillment of a prophecy from Hosea, which says this, Hosea 11.1, 1, when Israel was a youth, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. It's actually a prophecy which talks about the exodus, when that as, as, as if Israel was God's child being rescued from slavery in Egypt. And, uh, and so Jesus then coming back to Israel from Egypt is, is kind of aligned with this idea of Israel being brought out of Egypt, the nation of Israel being brought out of Egypt. What happens, you see, is that all the promises of God for Israel are fulfilled in and through Jesus. All the promises of God for Israel are fulfilled in and through Jesus. And in some sense, Jesus is replaying or recapitulating the story of, of Israel and doing it right. And doing it right. He's the obedient son of God. Now, Herod gets furious and he just goes on a murderous rampage, killing lots of infant boys in the area. And there's another fulfillment of prophecy from Jeremiah 31 in this case. The, the interesting thing, if you go back to Jeremiah 31, where this, this voice that was heard in Ramah, that lamenting over the, over the, the killing of the children, uh, of the death of the children, is another one, a bit like Isaiah, we saw in Isaiah 7.14. It's, it's another passage, prophetic passage, where there's this a lament over the, the, the death of children. And yet at the same time, if you look in the context in Jeremiah 31, surrounded by lots of incredible hope. And so this passage reminds us at once and over the terrible, terrible suffering of this murderous rampage of Herod. At the same time, if you go back and look at it in context, it reminds you that in the midst of that suffering, Jesus is the one bringing hope to the nation. He's bringing hope to the world. He is going to shepherd the nation. 
Now, let's go to our final passage, verses 19 to 23. When Herod died, an angel, but when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he'd be called a Nazarene. Herod, the killer of babies, has himself died. And so an angel of the Lord comes again to Joseph in a dream again and tells him, get up and go, you can go back to Israel. Notice again, the land of Israel, he calls it, not just Judea or Samaria. In those days, the Romans called the, the, the various provinces, you called it Judea or Samaria, or Galilee. They didn't call the whole thing Israel, but this is a recognition from Matthew and, and from the, the angel here that uh, this is the land of Israel. And, and, uh, and guess what Joseph does? He just does exactly what he's supposed to do. His job is to listen and obey and protect the baby. And that's not to say that Jesus is never going to suffer. We know in the Gospel of Matthew, he suffers incredibly, he gets crucified, but it's a matter of timing. Jesus' death had to happen when he is willing. That's one of the things. It's not just a, and so we see that on the cross uh, when they're trying to even tempt Jesus to come down from the cross and so on. And, and he says, look, I could call for angels to release me, but he, he doesn't want to do it. When he dies, it's going, to be not a, it's going to be a willing sacrifice for the sins of the world. We have two dreams in this passage, right? Angel Lord to Joseph saying, go to Israel. And then when Herod's son, Archelaus, now becomes the king of Judah in his place of his father, Herod of Judea, well, he's not concerned. He's concerned about going there. And he gets warned in another dream. And he just goes to Nazareth and the last verse of our passage has a kind of wordplay going on if you, know, if you knew your Hebrew, which you may not. I'm not you may, may be a bit rusty on your Hebrew. But uh, he goes and lives in Nazareth. And we know from the Gospels that Jesus becomes known as Jesus of Nazareth. But there's a play of words going here because the word, there's a word in the Hebrew that, that the root of Nazareth here sounds very much like Nazir, the word in the Hebrew, it means branch. And, and so Matthew's saying the prophets are going to, uh, saying that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Well, where's that in the Bible? Well, possibly this is an allusion to Isaiah 11, verse 1, which talks about a root, uh, a branch from the root of Jesse, meaning uh, one of David's descendants. Going to, and it talks about the one, the Spirit's going to be upon him. And this is the passage where we get, you know, uh, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, all that passage from Isaiah 11. It's in other words, it's another son of David passage. 
uh, and that's the branch that's going on. So this kind of wordplay with the name of the city of Nazareth might be going on there. Uh, more likely, that is, than the other theory on this one that is uh, where they had vows in the Old Testament called a Nazarite vows, something, and they lived a life something like John the Baptist. We don't see Matthew actually showing Jesus living like that. And so it's really a play on this branch idea. But you'll notice in verse 23, he doesn't give a specific prophet. He doesn't give a quotation. It's prophets, plural. So I think this is just a kind of interpretation, perhaps, of Isaiah 11 with the addition of other passages brought in uh, to make the point that Jesus, Jesus is the son of David and the one who's come to save. Let's just summarize then really quickly what we're saying today. God is acting in Jesus to save Israel and the world. He comes as a man, but as a baby in the womb, the miracle of the virgin birth. But this baby needs protecting. That's Joseph's role to obey. Protect until the cross, at least. Uh, of course, he's not going to be protected then. There's divine guidance through dreams, angels, and the star, but that just tells you that all this is really from God, right? Jesus comes in fulfillment of prophecies and promises. He's not disconnected from, from the history. He's, he's connected right into Israel's history and comes as a fulfillment of everything God's promising to them. He comes to save from sins, the worst enemy that there is. He comes as the divine king of Israel to be worshipped. He is the son of God, and he's the Messiah, the branch. He comes to die as a ransom, and he comes again to judge and redeem. And that's how Jesus, that's how Jesus, you know, we're often told in church, Christmas is not about the presence. Well, it is about presence. It's about the presence of God. Different word, presence, of course. God with us through Jesus, his son. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, for the goodness of God, for the compassion and the grace and the mercy that you've given us in sending your son, in coming, God becoming man, coming to Israel, coming to the world, coming, Lord, as a baby, defenseless at one level, and yet you have your hand upon him to protect him. You guided him. You, you brought his, you, you were doing so much there, fulfilling your promises to Israel and to the world. Father, thank you for sending your son, this Messiah, this Savior, this king let us respond not as herod did to suppress this wonderful gift but respond as joseph did to listen and to obey and to follow this star this savior this lord this messiah In jesus name
back just a little bit from where Dr. Taylor left us, and we're going back to when the angels appear in the sky and bring the good news to the shepherds and sing glory to God in the highest on that first night when Jesus was born. So we're going to sing Midnight Choir.
important thing here is that this is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. And so Diego is going to read for us from Isaiah 53, which is the prophecy that came long before Christ and spoke not just of um, the birth, but what was going to be happening. So thank you, Diego. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one with whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, and for the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see oft his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils of the, with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered among the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors.
searching if you need healing he's where you find it lay down your burdens breathe in forgiveness if you need freedom he's where you find it place we'll remember who Jesus Christ is and why he came and why we're celebrating Christmas. Thank you guys so much for coming. We'll see you in two weeks. Merry Christmas.